Local Radio for Portsmouth. Yeah, just after seven o'clock. Thanks, your company. Welcome to Express This Week. Got an action-packed programme for you tonight. As always, this is Chris Pierce. Thanks for your company here live and direct from Studio 2 at our penthouse suite here in central Portsmouth. Thanks for being there, as always. Well across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. On the show tonight at ten past seven, we're in touch. Uh, we're in conversation with Chris Bell. Chris from uh, a company called GL... Sorry, JLA, I should say. That's JLA. Uh, we'll find out about pubs and bars. Uh, most in danger of the um, missing out on the key trade, particularly these COVID-19 times. Or chat more with Chris about that uh, in about 10 minutes or so here on the show tonight. There's too many Chris's on this show tonight. You'll see why in a second. Uh, 7.25, we're talking to Paul Hunt. Paul from the Haley Line Donkey Sanctuary. It's been a while since we caught up with Paul and uh, while Tracy, of course, run uh, the actual organisation. But we'll find out how they're doing through these tough times and get a chat with Paul and an excuse to have a catch-up as well. Uh, Paul here with us later at 7.25 tonight. At 7.45, we're chatting to a local author. First time she's been on the show, so it's always nice to get uh, some new people here to express this week's family and find out more about them. Uh, certainly no exception tonight with Adele. Not that Adele, this Adele. Uh, she's a local author here in Portsmouth, from, I think Baffin's area of the city. And B. Watson Children's Books. We'll find out the inspiration behind all that and what she's been writing, what she's been up to. Uh, Adele, join us later at 7.45 to chat about that. We're in conversation with Matthew Sheldon and Matthew is the Executive Director of the Museum Operations uh, for the uh, National Museum of the Royal Navy, to give it its correct title. Look after things like the Mary Rose and the Victory and that kind of thing there in Portsmouth Historic Dockyard. Uh, we'll catch up with Matthew and uh, particularly, of course, the planned reopening of all these venues come the 17th of May and that's uh, certainly taking centre stage, the old Mary Rose. So we'll chat more later at uh, ten past eight tonight. And our profile guest this week, 8.25, another Chris. It's like world domination. <laughs> Chris Pluck from the Portsmouth Samaritans. Always great to get Chris on the air. Having a nice sort of nice little chat to find out more about Samaritans and how they've been doing since we last spoke to them back in of last year. And as we look ahead to a more positive future, I think, since the last time we chatted. Uh, Chris here, plus two of his favourite songs as well as our profile guest tonight on the show. He'll be with us at 8.25, so we're going to squeeze all that in here on the show. Uh, from now until 9 o'clock tonight on this week's Express This Week. Yeah, we're live until 9 tonight, and thanks for being there. Right across the area we happen to be tonight, thank you for tuning in. And Hayley Lines, you might be in Emsworth, you might be in Havens, Waterlooville, Portsmouth, Fairman, Gosport. All the nooks and crannies. Great to have you there. Uh, week's news and news, what's been going on locally, of course, across the area. Uh, in particular, we're looking this week to start things off. Uh, how pubs and bars uh, are, are most in danger of missing on uh, key trade, of course, with all this pandemic, which uh, still continues in some respects. Um, from uh, an organisation called JLA, uh, Chris Bell joins me on the lawn now. Chris, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. How Thanks are you? Me. Thanks yeah, for very, well, very well, thank you. Good. Keeping safe and all that kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. Good stuff. Chris, I mean, first of all, uh, JLA, just you know, for, for our listeners' benefit, what's the organisation all about? Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, it, well, it's the UK's leading name, essentially, for all critical equipment and servicing needs. So we've got 50 years' experience, national, in the laundry, catering, heating and fire businesses. And we've got about just over 25,000 customers. And wow. essentially, we look after their vital facilities in hygiene, infection, uh, and compliance. Okay, so you're quite integral, really, to the to the actual industry itself, aren't you? The pub industry and bars and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah and pubs, uh, hospitality, as yeah. well as our sort of our care yeah. and healthcare sectors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is tough, Tom. You, you've, you, well, you've possibly seen it firsthand, haven't you? 
It has, yeah. I mean, we, we've, as I say, been around for 50 years, but we've lived through this and been working all the way through the pandemic. So we've, we've been working very close with, mm. with our, our customers, pubs and, and restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, these, uh, these stats, I mean, uh, obviously we, we, we get the press release in before we, we, we do the show here. I mean, some of these stats that you, you are quoted here are, are quite staggering, Chris. They are. I mean, it, it, it came, I no surprise to any of us that you know, the 2020 has thrown hygiene and infection control into the spotlight, mm. but particularly around pubs and restaurants. And um, I, th- I think we, we, we felt this was going to be case, but the stats, as you say, really, really came through very strongly. Yeah. How, how was the research put together? Well, I mean, what, how do you get to, to these results? What was the process? Yeah, so the process was um, we were really keen to understand our customers and their customers and, and what the insights were. So we, we went out to 2,000 independent um, respondents, the general public essentially, and asked them, so nationally reflective, and asked them about their thoughts on infection control in hospitality. Okay. And, and that's how, I mean, how, how many people were talking? The whole. Goodness us, how many people? Yeah, sorry, two two thousand people, but right. reflective of the you know, the yeah. UK population. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were you staggered by these results? I think, as I say, we we were we felt the results were right. I think yeah. we were staggered by some of the percentages and how strong yeah. people felt about it. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at here, 77% of the public hold greater concerns uh, around hygiene standards compared to, to the year previously, which I guess is when all this sort of kicked off, this, well, uh, well, over this time last year, really, wasn't it? It has, and I think, you know, uh, you know public attitudes have, have moved, and, and you know, they're not going to go back. No. You know, we say 77% due to COVID, you know, this isn't a flash in the pan, this will stay with us now, yeah. so... Um, in some ways, it, has it been sort of a good thing? Do you think? Do you think it's been a wake-up call for the industry? I, I, I think so. I think you know. Take an example where you might have gone into a restaurant and I don't know, a pub, and you've had lipstick on your glass. You might have put it back and complained. I think. Yeah. I think it's really heightened people's sense of you know what's right. Uh, yeah, particularly around infection. I do. It certainly makes you think, doesn't it? And sort of puts it all into the into perspective, into sort of into the spotlight of it all. We, I, I guess, in, in some ways. Uh, and I mean, how are businesses that you, you're obviously in contact with now in the pub industry? I mean, what's the feeling out there now? Because obviously, it's slowly opening up again. Um, I guess some places still closed. So, yeah, w- what's the feeling out there? I think I think the feeling is. I mean, we've shared this research, and it, it, it's not been a surprise. I think. I think many of them have been delighted with the initial opening phase. I think as we get you know, into, into the next two, two months, I think you know, th- there's been a real focus, particularly on those restaurants that are taking it seriously, been a real focus on, on gaining, cu- gaining and keeping customer trust and reassurance. I think, I think they've put it top of their agenda. Yeah, yeah. And as we go through, as we look ahead to the rest of the year now, and certainly the busy period you know, with the summer months coming and that kind of thing, are, are further surveys going to be carried out to see how progress has been made? I mean, we will. I mean, the, the important thing is we keep talking to our customers and, and they keep saying to us, you know, uh, what do we need to do? What are you seeing around the rest of the UK? Uh, yeah, and we're really saying to them, you know, we're reiterating our findings from this report. You know, you've got to maintain the right procedures, You've got to give your customers tangible proof in signage and certification that you're taking it seriously. And you've got to keep investing in infection control. Mm. And you know, aside of COVID, you know, with the general uh, environment to health, I suppose, because that sort of crosses into that sort of area, really, doesn't it? This sort of what you're saying in this survey sort of crosses into that. Are, are, are things getting better out there with hygiene? I think they are. I think, I mean, from our business perspective, it is absolutely, um, you know, since, since the government announced the, the initial unlocking, we've been inundated, you know, with mm-hmm. calls um, yeah, and appointments to, to go out and talk to them and help, help, help them understand, you know, what it is um, we can support them. And, and you know, we're telling them a lot of things that we've got that are new to them. They say, I didn't know that, but I'm really interested. Tell me more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it certainly turned people's eyes. Well, uh, Chris, it's interesting stuff, and, and we'll probably come back to you, if, if we may, uh, later on in the year, just find out how, how things are. But, um, Chris, I appreciate you coming on tonight and, uh, and chatting with us. 
Thanks, thanks very much, Chris. You take care. Cheers, Chris. Bye bye, there, mate. Bye bye. Chris Bell there from uh, company JLA um, with all those uh, interesting stats and how pubs and the bars, of course, are coping with this sort of situation. And it does make you think, doesn't it, with hygiene and that kind of thing. And lots get through tonight, as always. Uh, our guest uh, at uh, this time on the show, been a while since we chatted, but uh, from the Haley Line Donkey Sanctuary, Paul Hunt uh, joins me on the line now. Paul, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. How, how are you? Going? You right? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Good stuff. I thought it was about time uh, we got you on. We were trying to think of this off air, weren't we? A couple of years must have been since we last chatted. Yeah, it seems forever. It seems forever, but uh, a lot's gone on. That's (laughs) what it is, isn't it? It's been busy. It certainly (laughs) has. Who would have thought all this would happen since we last chatted? But uh, but there we are. How have things been, Paul? Well, through the lockdown, how strange. Everything was just turned upside down, wasn't it? Geared up for open days, getting yeah. excited about Christmas and all our Christmas events and getting out with the donkeys, spreading some cheer, um, going to nursing homes, and it all stopped just like that overnight. Turn the light switch off. It was very strange. Quite a panicking time. Yeah, well, you bet. Yeah. It must have been pretty tough for, you, for yourselves there because obviously, you know, you, you rely on people coming to you as well, aren't you? Absolutely. Well, our main income streams are from our open days and people coming to visit the animals, um, going out to events, going out to church services, going to Christmas stuff, um, nursing home visits, etc., etc. So, yeah, it, it all got a little bit uh, close to the wind, to be fair. Um, but what do you do? You can't take the batteries out. No. And you can't turn the switch off no. and go home. And you so, battle on, don't you, really? Yeah, it, it, we basically have to do exactly the same thing caring for the animals on a day-by-day basis, whatever happens in the outside world, until we physically are unable to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, they must have thought it a bit strange that, uh, you know, not so many visitors <laughs> coming to see them <laughs> as they would previously. You can see the effect on them for sure, yeah. yeah. It's really visible because they're such searchable animals. They love um, the attention, they love a bum scratch, they love their ears tickled, they like being talked to. Um, so we had to try and make up for that ourselves. <laughs> <Bit of homesickness. laughs> Talk donkey. <laughs> Bless you. I can just see you and Tracy now doing that. Fantastic. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we all talk about our own mental health, but I do wonder about animals too. Oh, for sure. For sure. They react to their, their environments and the people around them. Uh, massively, you know, in a, in a positive and a negative way. Um, and that's part of our job is to make sure that they've got a positive environment and they enjoy life as much as possible. I mean, tell us a little bit about the, the sanctuary for listeners who perhaps haven't heard us you know, chatting before, Paul. Uh, just set the scene for them. Uh, how, how long has the organisation or the sanctuary rather been sort of up and running now? How did it all come about? Well, we started off by buying two pet donkeys who were working on Hayden Beach, giving children rides, and we carried that tradition on for a little while. And then it's only by doing that we soon realised what happens to a lot of working animals uh, in that field um, when they are too old to work and they get fed up a bit, and they literally get thrown away quite often. So it, it's quite a shocking end, wow. uh, and quite early in their life. So it changed our thinking, Chris. We yeah. decided that we would uh, stand up for these guys because they're hard-working, lovable creatures with a magic inside them that can help people too. So um, it, it completely changed the way we thought. And our plan was then to give the donkeys in our care and the ones that we came across a lifelong home with uh, care and understanding. So that, that's basically how the sanctuary started. Um, and we've gathered all sorts of donkeys from different backgrounds. Some of them have been working for sure, giving kiddies rides or different places around the country um, and have come to us to retire. Some have been really badly abused, even in this county, um, and they've come to live with us and, and flourish. And uh, We've had ones that just aren't wanted, you know, perhaps the wrong sex, you know, they're a male one and, and just don't fit with their owner's schedule and so on. So, yeah, it's been quite an interesting journey so far. And how long has that been now, Paul? Oh, we've been looking after donkeys now for <laughs> donkeys years. Uh, probably about <laughs> oh, fifteen years coming up. Fifteen years, wow, wow! So it's gone quick, hasn't it? 
certainly have. Not always in this particular scenario. So it's only in recent times, probably since 2018, that we've invited people to come to the sanctuary. We just didn't have the facilities before. It was a bunch of donkeys and a a pile of poo in a field. So, um, (laughs) and we've, (laughs) people really wanted to get involved. I mean, the community spirit's fantastic around the area. Um, and the donkeys reach out to people's inner, inner selves. And which is lovely. It's lovely to see like-minded people like ourselves yeah. wanting to help them. And so we've had to sort of develop the sanctuary so that people can get involved in a safe and enjoyable way. Yeah, very therapeutic. Um, the, very therapeutic, I'd imagine, too. Yeah, we get a lot of really positive feedback from people that makes them feel calm being around the animals. And they do have. I swear to God, they've got some magic inside them. They really do. It's just something about them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Today is quite a red letter day for us because it's our first um, outside visit to a a care home um, on the island with a a couple of our older donkeys. Um, And to see people's faces light up when a donkey appears at their patio doors, um, you know, and they can... They can see them through their window where normally there's just a bit of grass is there. Um, it's wonderful. It really is. It's tear-jerking. It, yeah. And it's lovely to see people get their memories back from yes. uh, inside holidays when there were children um, having a donkey ride or, oh, my auntie used to have a donkey and so on. And it really roller coasters in bringing back memories. Um, the family and, and the past and holidays and so on and good times, which uh, lifts the spirits. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's fabulous what you do as well and to do that, uh, which is nice because obviously, you know, everyone's been through it this year. Uh, and so to do something like that as well, to, to take the donkeys to the beer outside to, to care homes is, is something, something else, I think, isn't it? Something magical, as you say. Yeah, it is. It's really heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. So how many donkeys have you got now then, Paul? Well, it keeps on growing. We've got 22 <laughs> now. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> 22, yeah. Um, who the thought? Um, we don't actively go searching for them, but uh, they find us in different ways. We get told about um, donkeys in need. Although we don't have any powers to, to go and seize them or anything, we can certainly put ourselves in a, in a positive place to try and help them. Um, and people ring us up and say, you know, I've got this problem, um, I've got a donkey I can't handle, can you help me and take it in and so on. So, yeah, it's, it's growing. So 22, 22 of them, all so different. My goodness, it's like having a classroom of children. They're all different really? personalities. Yeah, they look different, act differently and sound differently. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, do they all make sounds at the same time? Sometimes, yeah. Do they really? Our latest two, our latest two donkeys that have come to us are Jenny donkeys, and one of them's a bit younger, and she excites the boys a little bit. Um, she little tinker. And, yeah, and when that happens, um, literally everybody's braying at once. I mean, that's what they call their noise a bray, and it's deafening. <laughs> She's a bit of a tart then. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be so bold as to say that. She might be listening. (laughs) (laughs) But that's fantastic. 22 of them, my word. Uh, And all different variations. Yeah, big ones, small ones, different colours, mixed colours, males, females. Uh, Some really old, some really young. We've got some under five. um, You know, when you think about that, they can go on till nearly 50 years old, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do they get to you? I mean, you mentioned, of course, you know, welfare of them and and sort of, I guess, rescue them, I I guess, in some ways. But is that how they come to you? Yeah, sure. Some some are actually in physical need of desperate help. And we've been able to be in the right place to help them. Others have been literally just a phone call. I can't cope with this donkey. I don't know what to do with it. Um, it, It's braying all the time. It's upset and it's pacing around. And um, I need help. So, yeah, it's it's been like that. Different different ways. Uh, People have tried to help them themselves and then found them too tricky because they've got very particular needs of donkeys, being desert animals originally. So, um, you know, they give us a call and say, can you help? 
No, bless them, bless them. And, I mean, you've got 22 of them now. Is there any more room for any more? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like making your family a cup of tea, isn't it? I mean, um, our, land, our, our sort of site is quite small, but when you fill one cup, you just move on to the next. So you never say never, and um, we're all, we would never turn a donkey away. We would find a way of, of helping them out. Um, and even if that means expanding... Um, on other premises and so on, then that's what we'll try and do. And the local, you mentioned this earlier, of course, local residents being quite supportive to you, and I guess, you know, um, this is something which is a little bit different, isn't it? We don't have, I don't think there's many sanctuaries around this area. No. I mean, somebody said to me that it was the only one in Hampshire, but I can't be quoted on that, but I, I think that's possibly true, um, with the exception of the Isle of Wight, of course. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's something that's um, really, I don't know, it, it, it touches people's hearts. Yes. Because donkeys are so wonderful creatures and they do move you for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think it's because they've always been looked down upon as being a lowly animal and they've always got that demeanour about them that makes you, you know, go, oh, aren't they lovely and cute? Yeah. Um, but there's just something special. Um, so it touches people and, and they respond to that and it's wonderful. It really is. that. It gives me a glimmer of hope for the future. Yeah. There's a real foundation to grow on. Um, and the, the sanctuary's you know, got um, a chance of living up to his expectations and plans yeah. of giving them a lifelong home. So that's really, really exciting and, and heartwarming. Well, come 17th of May, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, you'll be able to reopen and welcome people back. Well, Chris... We opened this weekend. Oh, we where you go? What were the yeah, chances uh, of that, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Saturday, Sunday and Monday, the bank holiday, um, and this Wednesday just gone. Yeah. Um, they're, the, they're the times that we open. Um, and we were fully booked because we're doing a little booking system wow. so that people can be safe. We've got limited numbers um, and feel comfortable in that environment because we are only a small site, so you've got to remember that. And managing that with uh, our current situation is very important. So, yeah, it was lovely, lovely. The people that came were wonderful. Fantastic. They really were supportive, really into the donkeys, very interested in what we're doing, interested in them. And it, it was really magical to see that. Um, it was great. But brilliant. Well, that's good news. And so you are open for business. So people want to come down to see you is to go on the website and book uh, first of all, uh, and do it that way, I guess, Paul. Well, yeah, there's all the information on the Visiting Us page of our website, which is hailingislanddonkeys.co.uk. Um, and we have a booking line, uh, which you just need to ring up and say how many people and what day and time. And that's great. That's as easy as that. Brilliant stuff. You do fantastic work, and long may it continue as well. And hopefully, you know, as, as we go through the year, more restrictions ease, be able to welcome back more people as well, which should be good. Because you are a charity too, that's the thing, isn't it? We, we, we do charitable works. We're not a registered charity yet. We're working towards that. Uh, but we are a, a local good cause that is devoted to these animals and their future. That's fantastic. Well, look, uh, to, to you, to Tracy, keep up the good work, because I know you do fantastic work, as you already said, and uh, it's something which I think is close to people's hearts in, in around the area. So keep up the good work, Paul. Uh, so well done to you there, mate. All right. You look after yourselves. Thanks for coming on, Paul. Uh, we won't leave it so long next time. We'll have a, a, more of a chat when things are slightly brighter, too, so uh, we can chat some more. But, uh, Paul, thanks for coming on tonight. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Chris, and to all your listeners and everybody who supports the donkeys. We do appreciate it. It's a pleasure. You take care. Cheers, Paul. Look after yourself. Bye-bye there, mate. Bye-bye. Paul Hunt from the Haley Nine Donkey Sanctuary. If you want to find out more, perhaps to go along and to book online, of course, it is booking only, uh, currently the situation as we stand in. Uh, it's haleydonkeys.co.uk is the um, website address there to make a booking. And go and visit the donkeys there at Haley Island. <laughs> the last seven days what's been going on across the area uh, it's always welcome uh, uh, nice to welcome should i say new guests to the show new guests uh, as i say to the express this week family no exception tonight uh, local author here in portsmouth too and writing children's books as well adele spinlove is on the line now adele good evening to you hi good evening how are you, you right yeah i'm good thank you how are you yeah not so bad you keeping safe and all this kind of stuff yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's nice that things are opening up a bit, but 
Yeah. I feel quite fancy just going for walks, <laughs> keeping, it, keeping it pretty low-key. <laughs> <laughs> so much, isn't it? Absolutely, so much walking you can do. Blimey, but yeah. uh, who would have thought a year ago? <laughs> My word. Uh, Adele, I mean, I mean, tell us first of all, how, how you, you write children's books. How did it all come about to start with? Um, well, I've got I've got two children. Yeah. Um, I've got a two year old and a five year old. And my five year old has he's disabled. He has a rare neurodevelopmental syndrome um, called ADNP. Okay. And um, I've been reading books to him ever since he was a baby, and now I read to both of them. And I just felt that there was a real kind of lack of positive disability representation in children's books. Um, there's some fantastic books out there, but they're very um, they're very prescriptive, and they kind of talk to you about disability and difference. But I wanted to find something that was a bit more engaging for um, typical children and send children. And I was really struggling, so I started to come up with these ideas, and then I basically put pen to paper and thought, right, okay, I've got a book here that that talks about disability, it honours the sibling of the child who's disabled as well, because that's a really big thing within the SEN community to honour not only the disabled child, but your typical child, the one who often has to help look after their sibling or life may be a little bit more complicated for them. Um, So I put pen to paper, wrote the book, and um, then started approaching publishing houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get an offer from a publishing house, but it, it wasn't in my favour at all. And so um, I can't I can't remember how it came about, but someone said, oh, you know, do a GoFundMe page. And I thought, no, people won't give me money. This is, no, this is mad. <laughs> you can't write a book and then ask people for money. But I did. Wow. <laughs> you know, I put it out there and said um, that I'm, you know, I've written this book. Um, the book's called Freddie and the High Flying Kick, and um, it's all about a little boy in a in a frame who just wants to play football, um, and he's excluded because the other children don't think that that he can play. Um, so they learn how to include him. And when I when I reached out to to the community and said I'm doing this book, um, I was really surprised at the response, and it only took me eight weeks to reach my target. Wow. Um, so then I was able to publish my first book, which has been incredible. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind it all? Um, so I very much wanted to show um, that relationship between um, my my children. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you have one child who's disabled and, and one who isn't, in the same community, we call them super siblings um, because they're often wise beyond their years. Um, and they, they often have to help in some way within the family life and the family dynamic. Um, and that's really where the inspiration came from, was looking at my own children and going, how can I, how can I make people understand what this relationship is like and how can we honour all of the super siblings out there that are, that are just kind of going through life quite differently, but in a really incredible way. Um, my son uses a walking frame, um, and so Freddie is very much modelled on him, how he uses a, a frame to help him walk. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, so you had a good response to this, all going mm. well. Uh, and how long has the book been out there? Um, it hasn't been out long. It's on, it's on Amazon now, um, and we're just starting to get some reviews um, through, which, you know, is, is fantastic, especially when I hear children are, are pulling it off the bookshelf and wanting to read it again and again mm. um and that that's kind of what i wanted to do um i wanted to, to write a book that could be on a typical bookshelf in a school or in a library or in a nursery um, and then it happens to be about disability rather than a book that you go to to learn about disability um so i wanted it to just be commonplace so what book should we have tonight oh let's have freddie in the high flying kick it's very narrative driven so it is a book that you can read again and again and again um so yeah we're getting some really nice feedback and and later on in the year i'll be um um, doing some events with it as well so so hopefully word will start to spread within um within the community yeah fantastic uh and it's come at the right time really isn't it yeah, I think so. What, from a COVID point of view? Yeah, because of all this. We need a bit of, you know, something positive. I think, obviously, yeah. from what you explained there, Adele, it's, it's, it's a positive book, isn't it? 
It is. It really is. Um, I think you're completely right as well. People are coming out of lockdown yeah. and and want to be uplifted in yeah. a way. Um, and I think also, you know, when you when you have children yourself, you you want to know that they're being exposed to literature that's going to help them in their future, that's going to help them to become more compassionate and empathetic and inclusive. But it's it's really hard to do that unless they're exposed to people with disabilities on a regular basis, and a lot of children aren't. Um, so it's through literature that we can find these positive messages and, and desensitise um, the taboo that's around disability. And it's so nice to do it with a book because it opens up conversation. It's a safe place for um, a parent and a child to, to discuss things. And then hopefully when they are in a situation where they meet a child with additional needs, they're not, um, they're not so unsure of what to do. You know, they're, they're able to kind of ask questions or ask how they can help. And that's what I'm trying to do is just open up that conversation from my own experiences with my child to open up that conversation mm. so that other people know it's okay to say, I don't know what to do here yeah. or how can I help or, or what can we do to make sure that everybody's included? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be able to reach out, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, Adele, is there a second book in the pipeline? Yeah, I've got a plan oh, to do eight. Yeah. I've got a plan wow. to do eight. So I'm just, I'm just pushing book number one now because yeah. obviously with that, with the fundraising happening, um, that was all incredible. Um, and so now what I want to do is try and um, generate enough sales so that, you know, the sales from the first one yeah. can pay for the second and so on and, and so, so on. on and yeah. so on. Oh, well, yeah. good luck with that. Absolutely good luck. Well, we'll stay in touch because it's nice to sort of come back. It's nice to, to bang the drum for someone local who's a, a genuine thing as well. Do you know what I mean? It's nice to have homegrown yeah. talents, if you like. Uh, and certainly, yeah, um, yeah with um, all local authors such as yourself, Adele. Now, people want to yeah, find out you. about uh, more about the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I go to your website? Is that a good way of doing they that? They can, yeah, they can, yeah. Um, so my website is my full name, which is adelspindlove.com. Um, if they're looking for the book, probably the easiest way is to look on Amazon, and the book is Freddie and the High Flying Kick. Fantastic. And how much are we talking for the book, Adele? Um, the book is seven ninety nine. That's all right, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a bargain. <laughs> well, you would. You wrote it. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Look, Adele, good luck with it. I really mean that Thank sincerely. You. Really good luck with it. And it's a nice story as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, right. we, we need something uplifting, I think, with these dark times. Yeah. We certainly do. Yeah. Uh, well, come back, Adele. Is that all right? I've got your details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come Definitely. back to you. Thanks and uh, later on in the year. When's the next book out, do you think? Oh, let's what say twenty twenty two. Really? Say that. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we'll come back to you. We've got your details, <laughs> Adele. Lovely talking to you. Inspirational Thanks stuff tonight. Time. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Hi, it's me, Kevin Gospel. Thank you for being there. Where have you been? We haven't heard from you for ages. Dave's online at expressfm.com. Pam's in Cockney tonight. Moines just got back from a walk in Waterlooville. So hello to all you in Jerry's and Fem in downtown Peel Common, to be precise. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being part of Express this week. It's nine o'clock tonight with the week's news and views. Uh, something positive. We need positivity. I think we're getting it tonight. We're getting the vibes. Uh, certainly with um, Portsmouth Historic Dockyard and the National Museum of the Royal Navy, to be precise. Uh, and uh, taking centre stage in 2021 with some positive news uh, is the Executive Director... Matthew Sheldon, he's online with us now. Matthew, good evening to you. Oh, good evening. How are you? Are you all right? No, I'm really good, yeah. Good. It's so nice to hear all that positive positive news oh. you're pushing out. I think that's how we're feeling as well. We need it, don't we? I think we thoroughly deserve it this year. It's been pretty tough for you guys too, hasn't it? It has been a kind of um, really painful. I mean, we closed, our last visitors came in, I think it was just before Christmas, 20th oh, December, something like that. Um, the great news is we are reopening for 17th of May. We're really confident we're going to be able to do that. Um, but that's a long time to be shut. You know, best part yeah. of five months for us. Um, yeah. You know, and the places I was in today, places really buzzing with people getting us ready to open. Um, but it feels very odd without people milling around this time of year. It should be really busy. Um, but great to look ahead to it to it getting back to normal, I think. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, to keep everyone safe, to put everyone out there, you know, to... Yeah, make, put anyone out of their minds there. Uh, it's going to be a safe environment for people to come back and see uh, you. Yeah, 
I mean, it will be. I think we've got good experience from opening last year. Um, we've got lots of space, which is good, but we've also got really good systems. Uh, I mean, like everybody, you've got to get used to booking in advance now. That's to try and keep, you know, queues yeah. to a minimum for people. Scan your tickets, a really quick way of getting in. No long queues, no, you know, no going through the visitor centre. Um, but And then once you're on site, you've got a really great safe environment with, you know, really good one-way routes. Um, amazingly, we've looked at our fantastic historic ships and you can get a one-way route through HMS Warrior, um, you know, up, um, up onto Victory and through Victory. Mary Rose, fabulous visit to the Mary Rose Museum. Really great one-way safe route there. Um, we'll have some reduced capacities when we open because that's about keeping people safe and so on. Um, but the team are fully trained, raring to go, um, and I think I think we can provide people with just just a great visit. Yeah, it's it's needed, isn't it? We need to go out and to explore. I think we've had uh, been in several lockdowns now, it seems, and uh, we need something to look forward to. I think. I, I think that's right. And I think what, what we've given people a chance to do is, yeah, you have to book in advance, but we've, we've released, I think, the first three weeks of the calendar. So right up until, I think it's the 6th of June, actually. So that's nice. You know, that's up to the end of half term. If people are looking for something that's local to do, and I think we can forget, you know, we are, we've got this fantastic history, international significance, things that people would die for um and sometimes if it's on your own doorstep you can't see it so i think you know i just encourage people to come on back and especially in this little period where we're all getting used to going out again there's a bit of impetus on staying local yes if if you've got family down come down and see it you know um it's been fantastic myself being in this week fantastic we've got Oh, with the carriers going out. I think they're coming back at the end of May as well. Yeah. Um, it feels like we're the centre of the world. Yeah. Uh, do you get a lot of uh, sort of, I guess, I'm going to say traffic, but do you know what I mean? People coming through the doors, f- f- you know, from if they see carriers leaving or ships leaving yeah. on the news or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it, yeah that, I mean... Not an effect. I, I think we get a buzz, you know, we get a buzz um, always when they're actually going out. But in the days beforehand, there's a buzz and... If you feel it in the dockyard yeah. and, you know, if you come in as a visitor, you get out on the water, you get on the harbour tour and go out yes. and see them, you know, the days before they sail. Um, and you can get up on the up on the viewing gallery of one of our buildings um, and hear it, um, hear it turbines running away there and get a sense of the activity. So um, it's unusual that there's nothing in at the minute, but I think Prince of Wales will be back shortly um, and I think they'll, they'll the task group will be at anchor at Spithead, so that's a very much part of the visit because you can get up really quite close. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, financially, you, you've mentioned it, it's been pretty tough uh, for for all of you there who, who work at the historic dockyard. It's not just yourself because there's all you've got the Mary Rose Museum and the Victory, and uh, you mentioned uh, the Warrior there too. Yeah, you? absolutely. And you know, I think I think both of us, particularly ourselves and, and Mary Rose. Um, we rely on our visitors mm. and our visitor income. You know, I mean, we, of course, we love to see them and the place doesn't feel right without them. Um, but we we get, as a National Museum, something like 80% of our um, money comes in from admissions revenue and our visitors and so on. And I think for the Mary Rose, it's even higher. So, I mean, the great thing is we work really closely together. Um, you know, we've, we've worked really hard together to weather the storm, I think. Mm. Um and we feel like we've come through it. And, um, I mean, people have been fantastically generous in helping us through it. Um, and even as part of their, when they're buying tickets, they're making donations to us, you know, um, and all of that goes to preserving, um, you know, the ships that are such a part of the dockyard. Um, so, yeah, it's been tough. I won't pretend it hasn't. Um, I think thanks to a great teams, we've got through it. Um, and I think we just want to share, get back to sharing yes. again, really. Absolutely. And by putting it on centre stage as well, I mean, you've got uh, you know, some positivity as we look towards the rest of the year, uh, yeah. and new new ways of getting tickets and, and things like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've got, obviously, it's online booking, but we've got a great new combined ticket called the Ultimate Explorer, which is, um, I think, what everybody has wanted, which is um, a ticket that gives you access to everything. Um, Mary Rose, Victory Warrior, over the water to the submarine museum, to explosion, on the water, harbour tours. Great value, and you get a chance, you know, you can come back um, as many times as you like um, for a whole year. Um, 
and that's great because there's always new stuff happening. We've got a great new exhibition um, opening on some of the really untold stories about HMS Victory and how she never, uh, she very nearly didn't make it um, into the dry dock for everyone to see. Um, we've got great ways if people haven't had a chance, they can walk under the ship now. Yes. Um, fantastic walkway that goes underneath. And you can't quite believe you've got this um, <laughs> 250 year old ship bulging up above you on these narrow little supports. Um, but, you know, always great things to see. Um, and, you know, I think particularly if you're local, it's on your doorstep and you can come back three, four, five, six times a year, bring people back. It, it's really nice. Um, I'm sounding excited, but I don't have to fake it because it's a it's a lovely yeah. place to come. Um, an enjoyable place to work, I'd imagine, it too. It, it's great. I mean, you know, my, my life's been like everybody else's the last... Um, probably 12 months most of it spent working at home in my attic um and that's not the same as working in a beautiful 18th century storehouse with a view of the water and people and all the activity going on around um some of our teams have been in um haven't missed a day it feels like and those are the guys and, and and the team have been working outside um but i think for those of us who've been in a few weeks really getting ready um it's so nice to be back. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll be looking our best as well. That's the other thing. I've never seen the site looking so great. <laughs> well, you know, there's, no, there's nothing, that hasn't, nothing that hasn't been painted, you know, because it's just great. We want to get, we want to do all that now yeah. um, and be ready for people to come back. Fantastic. 17th of May is when it all opens. Is it 10 o'clock? It opens, uh, massive? Is, yeah, 10, 10 o'clock every day. Yeah. Um, time slots run all the way up to, you have to leave by 5.30. Right. Um, Look on the website, historic.yard.co.uk. Everything's working really seamlessly, smoothly on there, everything. And everything about the new things you can see as well. Yeah, and particularly the Mary Rose Museum. I saw that on TV tonight. Absolutely. Mary Rose is fantastic. Um, And if you buy your ticket now, they're saving up a little jewel for us come July. Um, Some new things people have never seen before. Um, And that's just, I think, a wonderful museum. and just a great addition, and what a great local story for us all. So, um, yeah, that's all part of the Ultimate Explorer ticket. Make sure that's the one you buy, um, and and you've got a year's worth of, of, of fun, really. Yeah. We are very lucky down here. I think we forget sometimes, don't you think? I, I completely think that. I think there's, there's Portsmouth is, a, you know, absolutely unique. Um, there's other cities claim some naval heritage, but they can't claim... Um, I think the things of significance and prestige yeah. and interest that we've got. Um, and, you know, we're still at the heart of it. I think that's the, the, the task group deploying um, everything that goes into that. It's what makes the city, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's all there in the harbour. You've got the Gosport side as well, because um, the dolphin, the, the, the diving tower is still there, isn't it? Blockhouse, you've got Hasler, you've Clarence Yarn on the other side, which we forget about, of course, which is, you know, all very nice and yeah. looking well, splendid. Yeah, well, we've got, you know, yeah, absolutely running down Clarence Yard, yeah. down to Pretty Yard, where we've got Explosion Museum. So Indeed. So new, new things opening there later in the summer, which, again, if you get your ticket for the year, that that's coming on stream really exciting um about the the kind of coastal forces that were dashing around yeah. uh, um uh from hornet and all the way around the south coast doing all kinds of things so it, it's a kind of story that just keeps going I yeah think. it's so much isn't it there's some when you, you keep sort of digging at it there's more you find out more about your local area too which is yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Matthew, it's lovely talking to you. We'll keep in touch. We're going to come back to you uh, as, the, as the year progresses and find out how you're doing. But uh, we appreciate fantastic. you coming on. You look after yourself. Oh, Gas tool there. Tell you. Well, you take care. You Matthew, so yeah. take care. Lovely. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for being here as well. And it's very good evening to our profile guest tonight. Great to give him back with us. We chatted back in of last year, I think it was, and uh, hopefully chat this time about more positivity, which is what we're keeping up with at the theme now. Uh, lovely to be back with us, Chris Pluck from the Samaritans here in Portsmouth. Chris, good evening to you. Good evening to you, Chris. Well, uh, it's lovely to be back again, and yeah. thank you very much for inviting me back. It's it's good. It, it, a pleasure, sir. A pleasure. I mean, last time it was, I think, before Christmas, wasn't it? It, which seems it, like it was. I was just looking ago. back. I think it was about the 10th of uh, December, actually. Uh, see, Tom flies we're having fun chris i know where's the time gone uh, exactly it's bizarre yeah. isn't it we, we've chatted about this before but uh it's gone quick but so much has happened or hasn't happened if you see what i mean yes 
indeed. I mean, you know, we've been busy, as you can imagine, yeah. lots of calls coming in, lots of contacts. And uh, um, I mean, we have kept the lines open 24-7 since the start of the pandemic, which yeah. is absolutely fantastic. And uh, all credit to our volunteers in this country, you know, throughout the UK and Northern Ireland as well, of course. So, yeah. you know, absolutely fantastic performance. People have been very generous with their time um, and enable us to, to field all sorts of calls. And I, just to give you one, one sort of figure, uh, which has been released fairly recently, uh, since the start of the pandemic, we've clocked up nearly a million hours of listening. Really? Yeah. And how, it, how do you it, work all that out? Well, I, I think it's, it's the person who picks up the phone bill at the end, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it, yeah, nearly a million. And if you put that into sort of wow. more proper meaning, it's about 114 years of constant listening. That's staggering, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. I mean, I, I was working it out this afternoon, and I thought, you know, because that's the sort of shadow I am. But, you <laughs> you know, I thought, <laughs> let's get some sort of handle on this. And uh, wow. it's, it's an amazing figure, isn't it? It really is. It is, yeah. I, I, and I guess you're still seeing a very steady increase, are you, in calls coming through? Yes. I, I think it's, it's fair to say it has been steady, although, you know, there, <clears throat> there is a sort of light at the end of the tunnel as we uh, approach... June the 21st, which is going to be a momentous day, I think, for a lot yes. of us, where things begin to really start to open up. But nonetheless, you know, there are people who are suffering as a result of the pandemic and all the trappings that it brings with it. Um, loneliness, yes. in particular, is, is a key player here. And I suppose, you know, almost one in five callers that we have, Chris, uh, refer to coronavirus and the loneliness and the anxiety that it brings as well. So... I, I think, you know, the message there, although it's an optimistic one as far as we're concerned, we're moving forward, looking forward to the 21st of June, but there are still a lot of people who are anxious and maybe anxious of going back out into society again. I think it's affected all of us in some way, isn't it? But, you know, mixing the game with people, as you Absolutely. sort of hinted there. Yeah, it's... Yes, I mean, it, it, it is sort of a foreign experience, yeah. if you like, at the moment, isn't it? That's quite right. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think as we're all looking forward to this, we must be mindful, I think, of people who are still struggling. And, mm. you know, it, it's not a matter of listening out to people on the phone, but I think we can all do our little bit by looking out for people that we know. Um, that's where it all starts from, people who are showing signs of depression or anxiety or even suicidal thoughts, um, you know, to just sort of reach out to them, which yeah. is really what the Samaritans are doing. Uh, but we can all do it in our own way. Yeah. Uh, we're still seeing the tragedies, aren't we? And we're, hit, we're in the press this week, um, uh, last couple of days or so, uh, tragic incidents on the, on the railways again. Yeah. Uh, and that scenario yeah. continues to sort of feature, I, I guess, in, in the work that you do. Yes. It, I, I mean, unfortunately, that is one of the sad yeah. uh, parts of this uh, particular job. But, you know, having said that, um, it, it is a difficult thing to understand. Mm. But then... When people are in that mindset, um, that is the only way out for them. And, yeah. of course, for those standing by, I don't mean literally, but, you know, for family, friends, people whose journeys have been interrupted by this, that and the other, you know, they find it difficult to actually relate to what's going on in that person's mind. But when you're in that dark spot on your own, it is a terribly difficult place to get out. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's really why we're there, that... If there are people who are feeling really depressed, really anxious, whatever it might be, or even suicidal, have thoughts of that, that nature, don't hesitate. You know, pick up our, our phone line, 116123, and call us 24-7, even in the middle of the night. If they're going through a bit of a crisis, um, you know, do take advantage. It, it really is important. And it's nice in a way that people still look to you, isn't it? In a in a perverse yeah. way, Chris. You it, well, well, but that that's right. I mean, I, I I think you know, Chris. There's still that misconception that yeah. people must be suicidal to phone us. That that is certainly not the case. And I think you know, every time we've spoken in the past, I've tried to sort of nail this one down. That it, you know, whatever you're going through, a Samaritan will will share it with you. Will mm. face that problem with you. And and that's something to bear in mind. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, there's somebody who is there for you. Um, and, you know, we're, we're scattered throughout the country. There are lines open all the time. So don't hold back. Don't hold back. Chris, you know, I mean, to do something like this in the first place, you, you have to be, uh, and we've talked about this before, a, a good listener. 
Um, yes, you've got to be a good listener um, and somebody who is not going to judge, somebody yeah. who's not going to give advice, because obviously we don't do that. But and can that be difficult, though? It, 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 it can. On some occasions, yeah. I, I, I think it is. I mean, of course, you know, a circumstance you might hear on the phone, it might trigger something that you've experienced yeah. yourself. And yeah. you think, oh, well, I know the answer to this. You can't do that. No. Because the, the way to look at it is you never, ever know that person's, the caller's, full circumstances. Um, and it might be totally inappropriate what you would advise. So we never give advice, certainly not. I mean, the only thing that we would get to uh, as, as a near feature would be, for example, if somebody's really suffering with a problem like debt um, or somebody's having a problem with homelessness, well, uh, well what we have is a, a series of signposting agencies that we can use um, and, and that is a legitimate point. We explore everything else with the core, of course, as, uh, you know, before we, we make that recommendation. But, you know, it's there should somebody need it. Um, it's not that we're passing them down the line, certainly not. We're still there to support them as, as much as they want us. Um, but there are certain agencies that might be pertinent to their particular problem that uh, can be addressed. So, you know, there, there is that aspect, but we never give advice. Um, Never judge. Um, you know, we always say, well, there's nothing too bad that's going to shock us. And, uh, of course, the other thing is confidentiality. I mean, that is a central plank to our organization. Whatever is said is absolutely confidential. It remains within the Samaritans. It doesn't go anywhere else. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that's something to bear in mind. We often get callers who will say to us, well, actually, I've never said anything like this to anybody before. I've always kept this to myself. Wow. And that, that really, I, I look at it as a privilege, actually. You know, they've lived with this for a long, long time, and here they are. Telling you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. You know, but that, that's the beauty of it. It is anonymous. We don't know the callers. They don't know us. You know, I can't do a 1471 and find out who's been talking to me on the other end of the line. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it's completely and utterly anonymous. And, yeah. that, and that's the point to remember, too. Yeah. So we, we've established you've got to be a fairly good listener in, in, in some ways. Uh, I mean, if people were, you know, interested in perhaps you know, joining them, which we'll come on to a bit mm. later, of course, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, is there much training involved to, to be a the, volunteer? Or? Oh, yes. There, there, there is training, certainly, Chris, because of the nature of the job, the yeah. calls that you take, the emails that you sure. answer, face-to-face and so on. You've got to make sure that the volunteers are in the right place at the right time. So training is very thorough, I can assure you and of course you know most of it these days is done online um, but there are very comprehensive packages uh, that we ask our uh, potential volunteers to go through um, and not only that once they have trained then they're mentored uh, for a period of time once they've done that with an experienced volunteer so there's much uh, much emphasis on support throughout um, and, and, and let's be honest, you know, the volunteer must be in the right place at the right time. I would say you know, if somebody's had a recent bereavement or some tragedy in their life, maybe this is not yet the time for them to volunteer mm. to become a Samaritan. Mm. Well-being is, is tantamount to the success of our organisation. Yeah, so think about it and be serious too and committed in some mm, ways. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. well we'll come on to the details how people can volunteer. We'll do that uh, very soon. But Brilliant. I wanted to ask about, so obviously we, we, we touched on COVID before, but I just want to briefly come back to that because obviously mm. it's it's had a major effect on all of us as, as we've already sort of discussed really. Uh, particularly um, key workers on the front line. Yes. I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because, I mean, since the start of the pandemic, uh, measures have been put in place to offer additional support. And so we're partnered with Shout and Mind, Hospice UK and the Royal Foundation, uh, and that launches our front line. So um, it's really a, a support service for health care, emergency and key workers. Um, and, you know, we are there for them. Um, and certainly the service has been used a lot since the start of the pandemic. So you work very closely with all these different organisations. Absolutely. And Solent Mind, which is not far away from us here, is it? Um, no, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're all linked in and, you know, referrals are made to us, certainly, and um, we, we can take that up with whoever makes the referral and uh, we can certainly see that through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it still continuing to increase now, the calls, or is it dropping off a bit? Oh. 
I think the calls are fairly static at the mm. moment because, um, I mean, from, from our branch point of view, it's, it's difficult to say whether we're receiving more or less calls because, of course, with our central free phone number, uh, calls are diverted all over the country. So, you know, if I were to make a call now, I could be answered by a branch in, say, Scotland, maybe Dundee. Um, and, you know, so there's a constant flow to all branches all the time. But I think overall, the, the, the call um, capacity and, and volume going out there has remained virtually the same. So it's fairly sort of static. Yeah. Fairly static. Yeah. I think the nature of the calls has changed, of course. There's been yeah. a, a shift towards, um, you know, matters relating to COVID, uh, isolation, loneliness, um, all sorts of depression coming through as well. So, uh, again, you know, people working from home maybe have, have found all sorts of difficulties and pressures to cope with as well. Yeah. So that goes into the mix, if you like, although the volume might have not have gone up. I think the nature of the calls has certainly been skewed, shall we say. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. As we're sort of getting moving on through the year, uh, are we seeing shoots now, do you think, perhaps of more positivity, I suppose, really? I, I, I think we are. And I, I think, you know, coming back to what we were talking about last time, really, the outreach program that we have with all our contacts outside the branch. I mean, that, of course, has come to a, well, people say a grinding st- a stop, if you like, but I suppose hibernation would be better. Mm. Um, and we're looking forward to going back out there when everything is, is agreed. Um, you know, we've got network rail, we've got a series of stations that we visit on an annual rolling program, as you know, uh, veterans outreach support in Queen Street, and we support veterans and their families down there. Um, schools, colleges, the list goes on, but I mean, we are very, very keen to get back out there because literally showing our presence uh, just raises the profile. And, and, and that is really what it's all about. So hopefully, yes, green shoots are beginning to emerge um, and thoughts are beginning to crystallize, certainly. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, isn't it? Um, mm. I mean, financially, too, because this is the thing, isn't it? Do people still realize that you, you are a charity? Do people forget that, do you think? I, I think there is a tendency, although, you know, we, we are in a, a fortunate position, of course, that we do have our charity shop down in, in Southsea, mm. uh, Sam's Place. And if I can just give a plug for that, it, it's now opened up again. It opened up again on the uh, 12th of April um, and um, really doing sterling work. And, and, you know, if anybody would like to go down there and have a look, I mean, they've got some fantastic uh, selections down there, Six Grove Road South. So do have a look down there. But what I would say, if you're wanting to make a, a donation, I think because of the circumstances we're under, you know, do give a, a phone call first just to say that you're on your way. And if I can just plug that, Chris, it's of course you uh, can. 02392821199. So if you've got some donations that you would kindly like to make to our uh, charity shop, then do use that number. They would, they would love to see you, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, it's not only a, a charity shop, it's a community hub as well. There are all sorts of activities that go out from there as well. So that's done an awful lot to raise, raise our profile in that, in that particular area. So hopefully, coupled with other activities that are coming up, um, we'll be able to pull the flag up higher up the pole, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and I guess it's, it's difficult at the moment as we all sort of, we have already talked about this in terms of volunteers and volunteering mm. for you. Uh, mm. uh, uh, and yeah, well, the way things are, that's, that's quite difficult at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, vol- volunteering is um, still on the up. People are very generous with their times. And, you know, if you are interested in, in coming to join us, then what I'd recommend you do is, first of all, type Portsmouth Samaritans into your search engine. Um, and if you click on our particular page, then it will tell you all about volunteering. If you go to the bottom of the page, it'll tell you about volunteering. There's a button on there that you can press, and that'll take you through to all the contacts necessary. Um, by the way, on the other side, there's another button which says donate. So people might be tempted to, try to give that a press as well. Who knows? But <laughs> get, going back a little bit, once you've got the address in your search engine, yeah. um, underneath there are some questions that come up and some little signposting um, items that people might find useful to have a look at. For example, there's one that says struggling to cope signs. Um, and there are a list of signs that people might be experiencing for all sorts of multiple reasons mm-hmm. um, and, and ways to help on that. And also, um, if you're worried about someone, I mean, what do you do if somebody well, so is... Ri- 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because mm-hmm. what, what would be the telltale signs? Because obviously they, they they may not always say. Well, um, that that's the point, isn't it? I mean, but I suppose one could use um, one's own experience up to a point. You know, yeah. if you're lacking energy, feeling tired, exhausted, depressed, uh, finding it hard to concentrate, that sort of thing. I mean, if you know people and know how they normally tick and it's not looking um, as though they're firing on all cylinders, shall we say, then, you know, instead of saying, well, how are you? um, What about how are you really inside? You know, Mm. how are things going inside? And quite often that elicits a response that you can then go on and, and explore. But there is nothing to stop you if you are really concerned about somebody who perhaps has expressed suicidal thoughts to you giving us a call and making what we call a third-party referral. Um, now, it, it, it's a fairly simple thing to do, but uh, supposing you're talking to somebody who has got suicidal thoughts and is going through a really, really grim time and needs that extra helping hand, then with their consent, you could then phone the Samaritans um, obviously provide a phone number that we could use to contact them, and, and we would do that. We would certainly make contact with them. Um, we would obviously hope that the friend who's intervened would actually say, well, I'm going to phone the Samaritans on your behalf, that they would therefore expect a call from us. Mm. Now, as, as a little safeguard, um, one would say, well, if the phone line is shared and another person picks up the phone, we would never disclose who we are. If a phone is not answered and it goes on to an answer phone system, we would never leave a message either. Um, so we would want to speak directly to the person who has been referred to us. But anybody can do that. It's called a third-party referral. Um, and if you phone the emergency number, you know, the free phone number 116123, we could take it from there. Okay. So th- there's all sorts of ways around this, isn't there? Absolutely. It? Yeah. Absolutely. And, it, and it's just... Looking out for people, um, you know, and and showing that concern, um, because I think we're all now desperately scrabbling towards that light at the end of the tunnel, um, and perhaps one or two people are going to be left behind, Mm. um, you know, and just just keep an eye out. Yeah. Keep an eye out. Do you worry, as an organisation, when we come out of this, is that another fear, do you think? I, I think it brings all sorts of other possibilities and challenges. Yeah. I mean, we've heard today, for example, that a huge proportion of businesses will expect their workforce to work from home maybe three, possibly four times during the week mm. at home. And now, that in itself brings all sorts of different problems, as you can imagine. Pressure at home, trying to run a home and a business um, from the same room, as it were. I mean, it, it's a huge challenge. Um, I mean, there there are swings and roundabouts on this, aren't there? I mean, you lose the social side, you use that, uh, lose that particular touch with other people, um, and that in itself can cause isolation, loneliness, and all sorts of things begin to crowd in one's mind. And so, again, I, I think uh, to sort of answer your question, Chris, I think the volume of traffic will continue as it is, but again, maybe the drift will be in a slightly different direction, away from the pandemic towards other problems that have you know, come into people's minds or the way in which we're moving. Yeah, and I, I guess it could work the other way when people are not t- too pl- best pleased, perhaps even to go back to work. I think that could be a, a possibility, yes. I mean, there's always that anxiety, isn't yeah. there? And, and, you know, am I feeling comfortable going back on public transport? Am yeah. I comfortable getting back in the car and driving away, you know, and that sort of thing? There are all sorts of things, aren't there? Yeah. And I suppose working from home for a long period of time, you know, you've got another routine to break and restart in a different surrounding. Yeah, um, And that, that's, that, that's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I think for anyone, really. Uh, mm, quite, absolutely. Uh, be interesting to see how the uh, rest of the year pans out uh, when we next uh, next chat. Chris, we're almost out of time. Let's, let's do the business uh, right. and give out the, the, the phone numbers and things for, for people who perhaps find themselves you know, in, in a situation or something, how can yes. they contact you, Chris? What's the yeah, best way? Yeah, well, uh, it's our free phone number. Um, it doesn't cost anything, obviously, by the nature of it. It's 116123. Um, it doesn't appear on any bills. If you're not the uh, payer of the bills of that particular phone, well, it won't appear on any bills at all, um, which is always a reassuring point. So if somebody in the family, you know, you don't want to let know that you're phoning, that that's the, the the point to bear in mind. So one one six one two three is the number to get through to us.
Okay. Are there still people embarrassed about you know letting them fa- their family know they're contacting Samaritans? I, I, I think it's yeah. it, it's a matter of confidentiality, isn't yeah. it? You know, if there are some things that you don't want a family member to know, um, you can understand that. Yeah. Um, it, it's just between you and this outsider, this person who they don't know, and you've got that confidentiality, you've got that anonymity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is good. I mean, quite often, Chris, very quickly with a, a family member, you'll probably get all all manner of advice and help thrown at you, and maybe that's not what you want. You just no. want a listening ear. Yeah, yeah. So it really, you can adapt to the situation, can't you? I of guess you from, can. from the work yeah. that you do, Absolutely. Chris. It's been lovely talking to you again and and to catch Thank up you. with you and uh, it, you know, not to end on a positive note anyway. Certainly, yeah. Uh, uh, well, thanks, Chris, for the opportunity. It's great to talk to you pleasure. again. Always a pleasure. We'll keep in touch and we'll get on okay. later on in the year for another chat Lovely. and see how you get on. Look forward to it. Tell us about your second bit of music. Right. Well, I thought we ought to um, end on a slightly more optimistic note. I know it's a bit <laughs> of a cheesy one, but, you know, we're looking forward to a break, perhaps, in the yeah, future. I think so. Summer holiday. <laughs> Sir Cliff says it okay. all, doesn't it? Yeah. Pleasure, <laughs> Chris. Take okay, care. Take care. Mate. Regards to all. Bye now. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Fun and laughter on our summer holiday No more worries for me or you For a week or two We're going where the sun shines brightly We're going where the sea is blue We've seen it in the movies Now let's see if it's true has a summer holiday Doing things they always wanted to So we're going on a summer holiday To make our dreams come true sun shines brightly We're going where the sea is blue We've seen it in the movies Now let's see if it's true Everybody has a summer holiday Doing things they always wanted to So we're going on a summer holiday To make our dreams come true can do his dream, can't we? Certainly for summer holidays and things like that, but uh, Sir Cliff there, ending things for us tonight and the second bit of music for our profile guest Chris from the Samaritans here in Portsmouth. Thanks to Chris for coming on. You'll find out more information about the Samaritans uh, on their website. You can do that at samaritans.org and search for Portsmouth and you find all the information there. That's it for this week's show. Thanks to all my guests, as always. Goes far too quick, this show, so it's absolutely as it's on. Uh, next week, amongst our guests, we'll talk to Councillor Sean Woodward from Fernborough Council, once Perda's all done and dusted, uh, about um, Solent Airport uh, over at uh, Leon Solent, the old Aitchman Stadler site. Well, he's our profile guest. We'll hit two of his songs as well uh, amongst the week's news and views. Look forward to your company then. Stay safe. Have a fabulous seven days. Take care. No, no, now. No.